Hello everyone, my name is Nicole Arndt and I'm Assistant Director of Industry Relations at Columbia University's School of Professional Studies. I'm today's host for the Behind the Scenes podcast series, which consists of a number of interviews with professionals discussing provocative career-related topics to set the stage for our students. The topic of today's podcast is, Your Job Search Needs a Sense of Humor. I'm here with Andrew Tarvin, the world's first humor engineer, who teaches people how to get better results while having more fun. Andrew has worked with over 35,000 people at more than 250 organizations, including Microsoft, the FBI, and the International Association of Canine Professionals. He is a best-selling author, has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Fast Company, and his TEDx talk has been viewed over 5 million times. He has delivered programs in 50 states, 25 countries, and on one planet, Earth. He loves the color orange and is obsessed with chocolate. Thanks so much for being here today, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this. So how does it feel to be the world's first humor engineer? Uh, it feels great. And if people listening are like, I've never heard of that job title before, it is because I completely made it up. Um, but uh, to me, it's kind of a natural job title because before I was a computer science engineer. And as a computer science engineer, I used to help organizations solve problems using things like computers and technologies and programs in the workplace. And then I started working with organizations on how to use humor to do those things. And so I felt, ah, oh, a humor engineer, someone solving challenges using humor in the workplace. And that's what I do. Great. And so you've worked with uh, several different types of companies, uh, Microsoft, I imagine has a different sense of humor than the uh, Canine Association. Yeah. So tell us, uh, you know, tell us about your experiences there. Well, I, I would say, yeah, one, the Canine Professionals, which I think was fascinating. When I first got the email, I was like, is this an organization for dogs who have jobs? Um, but uh, realized it was for dog trainers, professional dog trainers. And uh there's a lot of differences, obviously, in terms of an audience, in terms of what they kind of find funny. But what I think is interesting is that all humans appreciate humor. And that's the one thing that's in common between whether it's the FBI that I'm working with or we're doing some work with the Red Cross right now to Microsoft and IBM. And the one thing that they all have in common is that they incorporate humans, that humans are in the workplace. And so humor is one of those skills that is effective with people. And so that's why we apply it in all those different areas, whether it is technology or in sales or in a job search process, if humans are involved, we can use humor intentionally as a tool to get better results. Right. right. Well, how did you know that this was something you wanted to do? Uh, well, the, the short answer is that I didn't. Uh, you know, growing up, by the time I hit seventh grade, when my family got our first computer and I like took it apart and saw how it worked, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to do something with computers. So that's why I you know, got a degree in computer science and engineering. And after I graduated, I started working at Procter & Gamble as an IT project manager. And that was kind of like, I thought I was set, right? I grew up in Cincinnati. To get a job at PNG was you know, a great thing to do. It meant that you're going to have some job security. It meant that you're going to do interesting work. It meant that you're going to retire a millionaire in stock options mm -hmm. and live well you know, based on the cost of living of being in Cincinnati. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of set at, right out of school. But I started doing improv and stand-up in college and started to realize, one, that improv and stand-up was what was helping me at PNG. And then two, realized that while I had learned the skills I needed to do a job, throughout that entire process, I had never learned the skills I needed to enjoy that job. 
and humor, the, the stand-up and improv helped me to enjoy what I was doing every single day. And I realized that not a lot of people were talking about it. It was almost kind of this missing skill of work. And so I started talking about it internally at PNG. I proclaimed myself the corporate humorist of PNG. And I kind of assumed someone would stop me. You know, someone from HR or legal would be like, hey, you can't just create your own job title. Uh, but no one ever did. Instead, people started referring to me as a corporate humorist. And as I started to do more research, I found out I wasn't the only one experiencing these benefits of humor. And so I started to do more and more internal work on speaking about the value of humor in the workplace, some internal trainings. And then I started a company part-time uh, and then really fell in love with that work and realized that it was the one thing that stood out of all the work that I was doing and all the stand-up and other things, other side projects that I was doing. It was the one thing that really stood out that I really enjoyed. And so I left P&G to, uh, to start my own company called Humor That Works, and that was a little over seven years ago. So it's been oh. seven years full-time uh, teaching people how to use humor in the workplace. Wow, that's a, quite the career transition. Um, and I think what you're saying about joy is really important. There are uh, statistics say we spend up to 13 years of our lives working. So joy is um, de definitely something worth talking about. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, and I think what's interesting about finding joy in the workplace that's important for people to kind of recognize is that uh, I think happiness at work isn't so much about doing what you love, but rather loving what you do. And that flip is really important because a lot of times people start into a job and they're like, ah, not everything is perfect. I don't love every single thing about this thing. So maybe I have to go and find something else. But it's really more the flip side of whatever it is that you have to do, right? 13 years of your life. I've read studies that say that it's 90,000 hours, right? So if you're like, I got to work 90,000 hours anyway. If I can find ways to make it a little bit more fun, I'm going to be more engaged in my work and I'm going to look forward to it a little bit more than feeling like, uh, I have to go into the workplace again today. Right. Um, okay. Students we work with are making their next career moves and are in the middle of job searches. So they're crafting resumes, LinkedIn profiles, practicing their elevator pitches. Uh, are you saying that humor can actually help them be successful in a job search? And what's, you know, is there anything funny about a job interview? Uh, I mean, I think the job search process, you kind of have to laugh at so that you don't cry about <laughs> it, right? Um, but absolutely, humor can help in each one of those stages of the job search process. Uh, you know, for example, humor on a resume, something as simple as listing sense of humor as a special skill on your resume or incorporating different unique kind of job titles as part of it. Um, or having, you know, bullet points that are a little bit different, maybe an icon instead of just a regular circle. They're all small things to help your resume stand out. And now sometimes when I talk with people about this, they're like, ah, oh, but what if a, a company doesn't hire me because I have my, I have sense of humor listed, listed as a uh, special skill on my resume. And my answer is perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Because people forget that the job search process isn't just about you finding, uh, you interviewing for a company and them seeing if you're a good fit for them, but it's also you seeing if a company is a good fit for you. And so if a company isn't going to hire you because you list sense of humor, it's probably not an organization you would want to work at anyway. It's the same reason why in interviews, I encourage people to ask culture questions. So when they ask any questions for us, some of the question of like, yeah, like how often do you find yourself laughing at work? And if that group is like, uh, yeah, I laughed once, like it was like three years ago, I did it on accident, like that's probably not a good culture to go into. And so you want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're asking the questions and remembering that you are testing and interviewing the organization just as much as they are with you. And so humor is one way to do that. 
Absolutely. And I think it comes up a lot, um, again, when we look at networking. So a lot of um, the, the people that we've worked with are or have a fear when it comes to networking or, um, you know, are hesitant because they don't want to go in and just have to talk about themselves. So is humor something that could make networking um, easier? And what's your take on that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we have an entire course called Networking for Introverts because I'm an introvert. If you know your personality assessments, I am a type A, blue square, conscientious INTJ. Uh, with the sign of Aquarius. <laughs> all, all right. Uh, that means that I am a stubborn, <laughs> ambitious introvert who likes long walks on the beach uh, by myself, right? Um, but uh, one I've learned is that we are not our personality assessments, right? So even for my fellow introverts out there, yes, networking isn't maybe doesn't feel natural, but that doesn't mean that you're unable to do it. It's a skill that you can learn, just like humor is a skill that you can learn. And so for myself, I had to learn how to network. Uh, because 70% of jobs are found through networking, right? I wish it was that you just apply online and hit the submit button and right. copy and paste your... I, I never understood why they'd like upload your resume and now copy and paste every single detail that's in that resume also in this form. You have to do both of those things. <laughs> but more often, it's going to be networking. It's going to be tapping into the hidden job market. And so because that's how jobs are found, that means you have to be good at doing it. And so uh, for myself, I had to come up with a three-step process for networking, which humor can help in all the steps. Uh, so step number one is to ask interesting questions. So if you read uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, he's like the key to getting people interested in you is to be interested in them. He said you'll make more friends in a month by being interested in other people than you will in a year trying to get people interested in you. And one way to do that is to get other people talking and then shutting up. So in a networking setting, if you're going to an event, you can ask interesting questions. Now, the interesting part is where humor comes into play because a lot of times you go to a networking event and it's the same common question. Like what's the common question that you get if you go to a networking event? What do you do? Exactly. What do you do, right? Every single time, you're going to answer that question thousands of times in your lifetime. And so if you ask the same standard questions, you get the same standard answers, which means you're then having more of a dress rehearsal for things that you've already planned as opposed to a human connection uh, at a networking event. So I encourage people to ask interesting questions. So rather than asking, what do you do? You might ask, you know, what's the coolest thing you've worked on in the last three months? Great question. And that's going to get people to talk about what they do most likely, but in a more interesting way. And they're going to be more likely to remember that conversation because rather than saying, oh, yeah, let's see tonight. I answered, what do you do? 8,000 times. <laughs> oh, but that one time I did get a chance to talk about this project that I'm really excited about. So you stand out a little bit more. So that's step number one. Step number two is to tell compelling stories. So when people ask you a question, rather than like, one, people sometimes hear, well, ask questions. That's the key. So then they'll, they'll get asked a question and they'll turn it back around on the other person. Be like, uh, why did you start Humor That Works? Why did you start Humor That Works? <laughs> like that doesn't make sense. Uh, so you still want to answer questions. And rather than giving a simple like yes or no que uh, answer, you can tell a little bit more of a story because that's where we find connection is mm -hmm. through stories. So, for example, when people ask what I do, uh, a lot of times I'll start, depending on how much time I have, I'll start with a little bit of a story and I'll say, you know, I've always been obsessed with efficiency, right? Ever since I can remember, or really since before I can remember because I was born three weeks early. So apparently even in the womb, I was like, I don't need a full nine months. I'm ready to go right now. <laughs> Right? And so I've always been an engineer. So uh, I went to the Ohio State University, got a degree in computer science and engineering. But then when I was at Ohio State and later at PNG, I realized that there's a difference between being efficient 
and being effective. Mm -hmm. And as a stereotypical nerd, um, right, because I didn't necessarily have the social skills I needed, uh, I, I didn't have those skills, but I realized that uh, improv and stand-up was what was helped me, help, what helped give me those social skills. And so now I teach organizations and people at those organizations how to use humor to get better results like I learned. And so in telling this story, I'm telling them essentially that I'm a humor engineer, but I'm also laying a foundation for them to connect with me. Because if I say, you know, I went to Ohio State and the other person I'm talking to grew up in Ohio, right? We experienced this on our on our way up to the, the room. There's a gentleman in front of me who had uh, Ohio State Buckeye shoes on. And I was like, oh, I, I love your shoes, go Bucks. And he was like, OH, I responded, IO. We now with a stranger have an instant connection. Right. Right. If I mention being an engineer and someone else is an engineer, you now connect. And so the story helps you stand out because it's no longer like, oh, that person that I met at that networking event was uh, just yet another programmer or yet another finance person or yet another marketer. It was, oh, they had that really interesting story about blank or he was the per he was the you know, he was a nerdy engineer or she was the uh, really cool person with this background or this passion. So that's step number two is to tell compelling stories so that you can connect with people. And then the third step is to continue the conversation, both in the moment and afterwards. And the way that you can continue the conversation is a principle from improvisation called yes and. Mm -hmm. And yes and is fundamental mindset of improv, right? No. Uh, if you take an improv class, you'll learn it. But it's also a great mindset for continuing any conversation. If you've ever run out of like if you ever like, I don't know what to say next in a conversation, just yes and the last thing the person said. Even quintessential like small talk. Mm -hmm. Right. If you think about quintessential small talk, it's like, how about this weather? Right. And so you can yes and that you can say yes. And if you weren't at this networking event, how would you be enjoying overcast 73 degree uh, weather? Yeah. Right. And then that turns into, oh, well, I'd be like out riding my bike or I'd be, you know, enjoying the last few days of summer with playing a little bit of tennis or I'd be indoors because I'm, you know, watching uh, Stranger Things season three right now or whatever it is, whatever their answer is, you've taken a kind of mundane how about this weather question and turned it into something a little bit more interesting about their passion or their hobbies. And so that's one way to yes and the actual moment. And then the other way to yes and or continue a conversation is after the conversation is over. Networking isn't done just after that one conversation, particularly if it's someone that you want to work with. Uh, so after a networking event, it's important to follow up with people. And what I love about following up is you can use a lot of humor in the follow up. One, if you had an interesting conversation with people, you can connect and follow up and be like, hey, you know, I mentioned uh, it was so cool that, uh, you know, we're both from Ohio. It's great to connect over that. I mentioned that Grater's ice cream was better than Jenny's ice cream. Here's an article about how uh, there's uh, kind of how people feel about the two different ice creams or here's a link to this thing. Uh, or you can kind of like I like to send stand up related to things that we talked about. So if you and I talked about um storytelling as this this craft that you have to get better at for whatever reason then i might say oh you know who i think is fantastic storyteller is john mulaney and then the email afterwards i'll send you like hey i mentioned john mulaney when we we're talking here's a link to his bit on um the uh the stardust diner i think a fantastic story and so now when i'm following up it's not, hey, give me a job or, hey, can you give me an interview or whatever. It's me providing value in the form of something kind of funny. And sometimes people are like, well, how do you know? How do you know what to send? Mm -hmm. It's like think about whatever you talked about and then Google it, right? You can be like, hey, I just stumbled across this article. And the stumbling across this article might be you intentionally Google things about that article. But then it feels a little bit more, more natural as a way to, to follow up. And again, it's about building a relationship with mm -hmm. people, something humor can help you do as opposed to what can I get out of this person? Right. 
Right. And it sounds like you're talking about making a genuine human connection. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that that can be the thing that helps you stand out. Uh, and when you're in a job search and you're um, up against sometimes thousands of applicants, um, just being genuine and um, asking questions and showing interest and sharing your story. Yeah, because I mean, at, at the end of the day, like whether it's networking, like people want to work with people that they like. And so when it's in a networking setting, you first get to know people on a human level. And it's like, oh, okay, that person's interesting. I want to learn a little bit more. Or if it's in the job interview process, that's where some of those same techniques can work, particularly storytelling, incredibly valuable as a form of answering questions in an interview. And the thing that it does is if you're in an interview, as long like if, it, if it's a, not a technical interview, sometimes it might be a technical interview. But if it's not a technical interview, a lot of times it's just a culture fit. It's the people there saying, like, would I want to spend 40 hours a week with this right. person? And if you can show a sense of humor, if you can show that you are, in fact, a human being, uh, someone that they can relate to, maybe they want to spend a little bit of time with, then they're more likely to say yes to bringing you in. The other thing that you, the other way that you can incorporate humor into the job search process, whether it's through networking or in interviewing, and this is important for, for my fellow introverts out there, is how you manage your energy. And so, for example, I like before I go into like a networking event or before you go into an interview, what I recommend people do is call your hype man or your hype woman, right? Whoever one of your friends or mate for me, it's my mom sometimes or it's my best friend out in L.A. Like if I'm going into something where I need to be in a positive mood, I'll call them up and be like, hey, listen, I just need a little bit of hype. I need to like and that that person's role is simply to talk about like, hey, man, you got this. You're going to be great at it. Uh, they're lucky for you to even come into it. You like. You don't forget all these cool things that you've done. Just someone to get you into this positive, energetic mood going into it. And then I think the other thing, both after an interview and networking setting, is finding time to recharge. If that's what you need, is I need to be intentional that, you know, I, I do a decent number of podcasts or what I do and things. And so I need to know that I need to stack them so that I have a little bit of a break in between. Mm -hmm. So that for the introvert in me needs to recharge on my own, that I have five, 10 minutes to go on Reddit real quick or to watch a YouTube com uh, comedy video or to just take a, a, a couple of deep breaths, whatever it is that I need to recharge. Know how what it is that you need in that process and then be proactive about going after it. That is really, really good advice. Uh, I am also a fellow introvert, so having the, the hype person and recharging is, is excellent. Were there specific moments for you when you realized that this actually worked while you were on the job? Absolutely. So part of it was uh, realizing, like, I remember, I remember being in a meeting at PNG that was so boring. Like, you know, I wanted to, like, cry <laughs> level of boring. And the problem was that I was the one leading the meeting right and it's like all right if i'm bored while talking they have to be bored while listening and so my start to using humor was first about how do i make this more fun for myself and the more i got engaged in my work the more i realized other people did as well the more i realized that like i, I started sending jokes at the ends of my emails and i remember coming into work one day at png and i had a bunch of replies to one of my status reports and I thought I had done something wrong. And what I had done wrong was I had forgotten to include a joke. And so people were replying, like, where was the joke? I was expecting a joke. Are you still doing jokes at the end of this weekly status report? And so it was telling me that people were looking forward to it. They were like, I don't know if they're reading the email, but they're at least opening it and scrolling it to the bottom. And so what it was saying that it was an effective way to get people to actually pay attention to what I was doing. 
And there's a ton of small stories like that. But I think anyone, as you start to incorporate a little bit more, one, it's going to be more fun for yourself. Mm -hmm. And two, you'll start to see people probably resonate with you a little bit more in the workplace. Well, thank you so much for being here, Drew. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for having me. All right. So if we want to learn more, where can we go? Uh, sure. Well, uh, we are all focused uh, at Humor That Works on uh, how to help people get better results. So if you go to humorthatworks.com, uh, you can sign up for a free newsletter. There's a bunch of free articles. There's also a link to our most recent book called Humor That Works, The Missing Skill for Success and Happiness at Work. Uh, as well as for some people, a good starting point is I have a TEDx talk on the skill of humor, which recently passed 5 million views, Wow! Um, which uh, has a great story about my grandmother. So you can check that out there. And um, the last thing that I would say is if you're like, I don't want to check out any of those <laughs> things, uh, is to simply think one smile per hour. Think about what's one thing that you can do each hour of the day that brings a smile to your face or the face of someone else. Uh, and that helps you to start to develop that humor habit. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Drew. It has been a pleasure having you. Thank you. I'll leave you with this message. Every single one of us has a purpose. It's developed from your passion. And when one is on point with that purpose, it can change the world for the better. What's your motivation?